This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. Wakey, wakey. Eggs and bakey. I bet if we had eggs and bacon, if we had breakfast, we'd have a lot more. Yeah, we would have had donuts. Donuts. We've got one person here for donuts. Friday, they had free chocolate donuts at Krispy Kreme. But there oh, is were, that right? Yeah. You, I should have told you because there's one in Seattle. Ah, oh, man. All right, everybody. Welcome to Revolution. See y'all here. Welcome, welcome. Um, we're still here. Here we are. We're still here live in Seattle, Washington. What are we doing? We're doing service. We're doing. Uh, we're all coming together today to celebrate this thing called life. <laughs> um, yeah. So we had a few little technical difficulties here just for a second ago. Caleb's computer shut down, but we're just waiting for the money from the GoFundMe to transfer into the account. New computer, new lights, new camera. So very excited about that. New action. New action. Um, one of the things we're doing, um, I'm going to go ahead and get the announcements out of the way, I figured, since rather than throw them in at the end. Um, we're doing uh, Meet Your Congos, Meet Your Congregation, which is we want to talk to you and interview for a podcast so you guys can get to know each other a little bit more. So um, if you go to Instagram uh, and see Revolution Church and Tell us that you want to be on, DM us, and let us know mm-hmm. that you want to be interviewed and be meet your congregation. Or even you can DM us on Facebook, any, really anywhere. Or on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can direct message us here on Facebook, and we can sit down. Because we want you guys to know each other, and in this time of COVID, it's really impossible for us to know each other. We started this because we have so many people from all over the globe that follow Revolution that we wanted to kind of get it out there and, and get you guys to meet each other. Um, and now with COVID, it even works better. So that was Caleb's grand idea, and it's worked pretty well. So we try to get together at least once a week to record those. We're, we are, are behind, though, and so we need some new ones. So we would love to interview you and talk to you about why you like Revolution, what do you do with your life, how are you handling COVID, and all that crazy stuff. So Good to know you a little bit. Hit us up. Let us know if you'd like to be interviewed for um, Meet Your Congregation Revolution. So we want to interview you. Also, Caleb's birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Caleb. Is Thank it 31? You. 32. 32. Yep. yep, yep, yep. So Caleb is in, in the Jesus years. <sighs> yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good year for Jesus, no. but going to be a better year for you, my friend. Thank you, dude. Good Thank year you. for everybody else, right? Uh-huh. Um, you're paying our gain. Um, so yeah, we're in, we're in Galatians, and I think I'm going to go ahead and jump into it today. Um, I think that was all the announcements that I had. Um, I did mention earlier last week is that we really appreciate you guys supporting our work and what we're doing, and you can continue to do that um, if you go to revolutionchurch.com and hit the donation button. It just keeps us going. It makes this possible and makes this ministry possible and also the future of Revolution possible, which we're really trying to get Caleb on the payroll and find a space to meet once COVID's done. So lots of cool things are happening. So please, guys, uh, if you can support us, we'd appreciate it. Every little bit helps. And if you give monthly, that really helps. So it kind of helps us depend, you know, where we're going to go and what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, we, we just, I, I realize we just need more 
even smaller donors to come in and help us. So we're just not relying on this like, oh, we got three big donors and, you know, so we need your support. So there you go. I'm not going to get any more into it. I'm not going to be redundant. Let's get into Galatians. We're in Galatians 5. So Galatians 5 is one of my favorites. Um, I actually shared a bit about it um, in a post earlier. So um, you should check that out. But we're going to go through the different areas of Galatians. And um, we've been going through Galatians. We went through 4 last week. And I'll be honest with you, I'm so glad when I make it through Galatians 4 because um, Galatians 4 is kind of boring, kind of tough one. But I think we nailed it last week, so I'm really excited about that. So I'm really excited about this this whole Galatians series 2021. Um, so Galatians 5 starts right out of the gate. Now, as you remember, as Paul is confronting the church of Galatia, the, the Gauls, um, it's because people are accusing him of trying to be a people pleaser, preaching circumcision, not preaching circumcision, preaching grace, and people think it's too much grace, and they think people should have to be circumcised and have to obey particular Jewish traditions and laws in order to be a real Christian. So that's what we're kind of... So he's kind of defending his message of grace, also defending his his apostlehood, you know, letting people know, like, I am a real apostle. And um, so that's pretty cool. And it's it, but what's really amazing about Galatians is that it's a rebuke letter to Galatians. It's like uh, like look at all the good stuff I'm doing uh, <laughs> letter, and it's one of the best books on grace in the New Testament. In the I'd say in in the, in the canon completely. So um, I think you might agree with me if you ever get to sit down and spend some time with it. But today we're going to go over two things that I really love, and we're going to go over the fruits of the spirit. And what is the kingdom of God? And I think that's one that trips a lot of people up, especially in Galatians. And if you're like me, you've probably had it used against you a few times. So we're going to talk about that. So Galatians 5.1 starts out with, um, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, am telling you, that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the entire law. You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourself off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the spirit of faith we were eagerly await the hope and righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Mm. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Now that's that's a whole lot right there. So let's kind of cover some of that and, and look at it again. Um, so right out the bat on five, he says, <clears throat> for freedom in Christ has set us free, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So the yoke of slavery, what's a yoke? It's not something that's inside of an egg. It's, you know, the things that you put on a horse to till the land and, and to pull the till. And so in a way, it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like your burden. So he's saying it's like, you know, don't get burdened down to the law because the law is slavery. Mm. 
And we all know what slavery is. We all know it's a horrific thing. And Paul is saying, we want you, I want you to avoid getting involved in this. And this is what you're doing is you're going back to the law. You're going back to thinking that maybe circumcision will make you better to God or uncircumcision. Um, and neither one make a difference. So he's not saying like if you've, if you got circumcised, you're out. He's saying it just doesn't make a difference. Right. You know, th- these aren't things that really do anything. They're just signs, you know, they're, 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 they're an old law and that law is no longer, that law, that law was completed through Christ. It was fulfilled through Christ. Like, you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish a law, but I came to fulfill it. And so you go like, what does that mean? You know? And, um, I think he's saying I've come to fulfill. It's done. It's taken care of. It's not that it's like null and never existed, but I took care of it. But there's also verses in Romans that says that Christ was being entirely fair when he did not punish those who sinned in former times. A lot of people don't preach about that or talk about that. Yeah, that's an interesting verse. Yeah, it's a very interesting verse. And it's funny, years ago, I was speaking at this thing with all these like very cool punk hippie pastors. We were, I was on this like, this, this like, what is it when you're with a bunch of people? Oh, on a panel? Yeah, I was on a panel. Yeah. You know, but they're all like cool, hip guys, but they're all like cool, hip, conservative guys. And I brought that up and everybody just got really quiet and didn't feel really comfortable with it. And I was like, well, we're going to talk about this. And everybody's like, "Uh, I don't want to talk about this, please. So that's interesting. But anyhow, enough of that. I like the term fall from grace because there was a TV movie in the 80s made about my parents called Fall from Grace. And people always talk about when pastors fall or preachers fall that they've, oh, they've fallen from grace. But that's not a correct use of the term. Is when you fall from grace is when you start to try to earn God's approval. When you start to try to fulfill the lack in your life, that which is missing. And I think the interesting thing about Christianity is, is it doesn't say like, let Jesus come in and fill that lack. I think what it's saying is like, you know, when you realize what Christ calls you to, you realize that you live with a lack, that there is that something missing, and you learn to find comfort in the fact that we all kind of live. I, I think a good example of that is an old U2 song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Because in the song, he's like, you know, I believe that Jesus died and rose, whatever, you know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And it's kind of a song of like, when I was a kid, I remember thinking like, what does he mean by that? That's that doesn't sound good, you know? And now I realize it's great because he's saying, you know, I'm, lo- I'm still looking for some sort of wholeness and completeness, but the fact is that wholeness and completeness just does not exist. It does not exist here on earth. That's why capitalism works is it, it, it promises to fulfill this place. And so what you do is you buy something, you look forward to it. You think it's going to make you happy. You buy it, you get it. It's like a car, you drive it off the lot and it's automatically the value drops and it doesn't fill that place. But capitalism, what it does is it plays on that lack and that need for us to have that fulfillment and that completeness. And and it promises us in the next purchase, the next item, that next thing will bring us completeness. And um, Paul is saying, no, it's not about that. And and I, I find that extremely encouraging. So when we fall from grace, it's when we think that we have the right theology or the right philosophy like the, you, you know need grace anymore right like I, well yeah i mean it really is i mean it's one of those things where you're kind of going like well i have it all figured out right. so i'm right so i don't you know i mean grace is good but it's not i mean i'm, I'm glad i have some grace because i have some bad plays in my life but mm. really i figured it all out right and i think we see that with a lot of preachers and teachers and we wonder like how have they gotten so far off 
Well, it's because they think they have the answer. And there is no clear answer. You know what I mean? Like, the answer is Jesus Christ. Well, what's the question? You know, we don't even know what the question is. You know, we're trying to live this thing by faith and believe in something that none of us have ever seen to bring us some sort of wholeness. And I think we miss out that there wasn't, you know, Christ never had this wholeness. He had 12 people that he hung out with. He died on a cross feeling sacrificed, you know, com- completely abandoned by God. You know, and then he told his disciples, hey, you guys are going to all die serving me. You know, it's this thing that was like, he never said, y'all are going to get Cadillacs and nice cars and be famous and have book deals, you know, and retire and have a really nice place to retire. So just keep following me. That wasn't it. He's like, no, you guys are probably all, you're all going to die except for one of you who will age, you know, probably die taking care of my mother. It was true. One of the disciples ended up taking care of Mary. I think it was John, actually. So you get the idea. Or like Paul, Paul who's saying this was wrapped in animal skins and fed to dogs. You know, the, the, horrible stuff. So, you know, we always think, oh, with God, I'm a victor. And God gave me this parking place and God gave me success. But there's nobody in the Bible, maybe in the Old Testament, we can point to some kings who did some crazy stuff. And maybe that's the example some people are following. But even those don't end well. There's no, there's no happy endings in the Bible. You know, and um, I think when we look at people like Martin Luther King or Gandhi and people like that, it's like, this is the life. You know, we live life with this lack. And sometimes we have to make choices. There's never a perfect answer. Last week I talked about, about Dr. King having to make a decision between speaking on the Vietnam War or having a place to work in the, in the White House on civil rights. And he was torn and it took him a long time to, deal, to make a decision Neither decision was perfect. Both decisions offered a lack. There was a lack in both decisions. And he, um, he made the decision to speak out against the Vietnam War and lost his influence at the White House. So, you know, he had to give something up in order to stand somewhere. So he felt like he had to speak out, which cost him a lot. So there's always a lack within our lives. So um, we're going to go on here um so fall from grace is not that so fall from grace in a way is the concept of sin is that thing that we're constantly trying to get to cover something up it's the, the it, it's it's realize it, it's almost saying we're not broken mm-hmm. and um we aren't hurt we aren't we aren't human and so i think when we see this a lot of people acting as though they arrive and they have the ultimate truth what you're seeing is people who've fallen from grace and you're also seeing uh, what I would call um, what I'd call heresy, really. A, a, a real big heresy, the type of heresy that Paul's talking about. They might not be going like, hey, you guys got to get circumcised to be here. But they're saying, hey, you need to sign up for membership. You need to agree to be under my ideas, my thoughts, or my denomination's ideas, or their thoughts. And this is the most complete understanding of God. And no one has a corner on that. Um, Anyway, there you go. So if someone's telling you they've got it all figured out, you know it's probably time to avoid that person and, and move on to something else. Also, the interesting thing that it says that you've been saved, stay free. And in the, in, in the Greek, you know, what does free mean? And does it mean something else? Because, you know, obviously we can't be that free in Christ. And we'll get to that in a second. But um, freedom actually means freedom. It means just living free. It means, you know. But a lot of us, this is another thing, this is the scary thing about Christ, is Christ offers this type of freedom for us to live in, but the problem is we all, we want structure. It's like, why did they build the golden calf? Because they wanted structure. 
Um, we want to know who's the right team. What's the good side to be on? Um, who's going to guide us and who's going to direct us? And so we want this structure because freedom offers a scary place of being like, I'm not sure it has doubt built in within it. It has free will built within it. Um, it's tough because what all of a sudden we become accountable for not each other, but we become accountable for ourselves. And a lot of us don't want to hold ourselves accountable. Like when I spend a lot of time on Twitter, most of the people I see tweeting and it's kind of doing my head in. So I'm going to have to do something about Twitter, but that's another day. Um, but what I see is a lot of people pointing out other people's problems, other people's issues, why they're bad. It's not, not a lot of people going on there going like, I'm looking for accountability in my own life. Right. And you see some of it, but you don't see a lot of that mostly. And I'm talking about mostly a lot of the Christians and people in the church world that I follow seem to always be pointing out the lack in someone else's and being like, oh, if I focus on their lack, I don't have to worry about my lack. I don't have to know myself. Eye. Yeah, exactly. You're right on. I don't have to worry about this log. The plank, yeah. So, um, there you go. Let's, let's, um, what's really great is that part where he goes, the last part of uh, six, it says, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. You know? And people don't like a lot of times, like I, I knew a lot of back in the day, my Calvinist friends would argue about God being love and, but just too, you know, and he's, he's justice. And it would be these like crazy arguments about, you know, I'm like, well, the Bible says God is love. I'm like, where does it say that? And it actually says it in first John, I actually had to check one time when someone asked me mm-hmm. where it said that. Cause I was like, maybe I made it up, but it actually does say it. And so what is love? I think Corinthians 13, four through seven, if you're curious of like kind of what biblical love looks like, I think, um, Corinthians 13, four through seven is a really good place to look. So check that out. You know, it's like love never gives up, never loses faith, always hope. Well, it talks about not keeping a record of when it's been wronged and all these things. So I think it's a beautiful way um, to see love. You usually hear it at weddings, but um, I think that's almost a little much to put on two people who are going to join their lives together. So I try not to read that one at weddings anymore. It, it's pretty. Um, but the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So when I look at other people's belief system and religion and Christianity, you know, I'm often looking to see, are they loving the others? How are they loving the others? And the others aren't always necessarily going to be the person you have the heart for. Like, oh, those people, I'm going to have a heart for them. But also, are you loving those who, who you disagree with? Are you loving, you know, how do you love those people? How do you have hard conversations with those people? How do you go further with that? How do you show your lack and share your lack with others. Um, that's tough. That's really tough to do. And a lot of us don't like that because one can, again, it brings us into that freedom realm where we're free and we're vulnerable and it's like, Oh, how do I do this? And it does, it's not a, you know, it doesn't win popularity contests. It doesn't get a million likes cause you're not calling somebody out. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to love them and see how you can love them. And that makes community real hard. And it's made Christianity a very difficult faith to be involved in, for me to be involved in. That's where I feel like the rubber hits the road. And to see so much lack of people who claim Christianity as faith, and I'm not saying they're false Christians, I'm just saying the ones who just, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, I'm, a, I'm this type of pastor, I'm this kind of Christian or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm like, what? what? But you spend most of your time tearing others down and critiquing others of the bad things they do. You know, and that's, not popular to talk about, but that's what we spend most of our time doing is critiquing others. 
And um, is that critique out of love is what I think we need to ask ourselves. You know, um, I had a Twitter argument just this week, you know, and I felt like so many of the things these people were saying to me was like, not seeing me as a human being, putting me in this category of almost like, oh, here's just a white entitled male. And they're making it about themselves. And honestly, that's not what I was trying to do at all. I was trying to have a really good conversation about my life and my own pain and kind of show that there's people are very different. You know, we all have different experiences and how can we share those together and, and not try to just make up rules and regulations for how certain people have to act, you know, um, cause that's creating a new law. And so I was trying to have that conversation, but I just, I finally took down the things that they were getting upset about. I just like, all right, you know, if you don't want me here, I'm, I'm fine not being here. Um, but you know, wasn't a lot of grace involved. And, uh, and a lot of assumptions. And so when we make assumptions that people are bad or just naturally bad, I don't think we're practicing grace. Um, I, you know, I had a great conversation with somebody else, though, when we had on our we, we argued well and had a great conversation about certain things and about politics and stuff like that and and what people's motives behind that are. But for me, the complete disagreement with me again was is that you can't assign one motive to all people. You know, and I think that's what we want to do is we want to make these broad strokes, you know, all these broad strokes of these people are this way. We are this way. And so we are we are ultimately against each other and there's no comp, no search for common ground. And I guarantee you that there's way more common ground in those two groups than there is the big things. But then we assume that all those big things come in with it and we assume their intentions. And then what do we start doing? We start judging others. So we get back into law. We're judges now. And we sit down and go, you know, these people are this way and they're all out. And so we're not even judging one people. We're judging a whole group of people. And so now what we're doing is we're scapegoating whole groups of people. And I can almost, because we do comments and read the comments afterwards and do a conversation. And I can almost hear someone commenting going like, yeah, Jay, but these groups of people are really doing, blah, 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 you know, and saying that. But then again, I'm going to challenge you to think when you say these groups of people, maybe people you've seen on the news, how many of the people do you not see on the news? Right. How many people do you not see covered in media? How many more people are not on the freaking internet or on social media? How many people are just trying to live their life and making decisions based on what's best for them and how they live? You know, so it's more complicated. It's complex. We're all Human beings, we're all contradiction. We all have contradiction within us. And the best thing we can do is understand that contradiction and realize that that's probably never going to change, but learn to live within the contradiction. And that's, uh, and that's what I've been learning from Todd McGowan on his studies of Hegel. All right. You are running well, and Paul loves that running thing, because the idea of running is just like you're going from point A to point B. It's, I think for Paul, running is his allegory of life. Life is like a run. You know, you're just on, you're running, running, going, going, going. You know, and that's just, it's your journey. So I think when he says you're running well, he's saying you you are living well, you are living life well. You know, you're running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? And I love the fact that the truth is just accepting you're accepted. Mm -hmm. Who, 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 Who is taking you from that? Such persons does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast in the whole batch of dough. 
So he's saying just a little, just a few bad people make everything seem bad or can turn things bad. And I think that's what we see within politics is we see the loudest people or in religion, you see the loudest televangelists, you know. And so now they're all this way. Oh, Christians are this way because they're all that way. Or, or Muslims, you see Muslims, do, you know, when, when, during the terror, oh, they must all be that way. Eh, it's just nothing further from the truth. It's just not true, you know. But we want to sum up these groups. And so one, it can make us feel better about ourselves. And two, it's just easier to deal with. And um, but that's how racism comes about in 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 Zionism and all these other isms, um, heterosexism and all that stuff. Like all these people are bad. It's really just lazy thinking that just helps us feel better about who we are and, and our group rather than others. So <clears throat> anyway, a little yeast can ruin the whole dough. I am confident about you and the Lord that if that you will not think otherwise but whoever this is confusing you will pay the penalty and he's you know he's talking about kind of a spiritual penalty here um, but my friends why am I still being persecuted if I'm still preaching circumcision is that case the offense of the cross has been removed so he's saying you know why people are offended is because i'm preaching grace because i'm preaching cross i'm preaching christ i'm preaching you are accepted um not because i'm preaching works i'm the cross is always going to be a problem it's always going to be controversial every single person i know even myself wants an asterisk at the end of grace but grace is anarchy Grace does not obey anyone's rules or anyone's regulations. It moves outside completely of who we are. And so it loves everyone and accepts everyone. But the problem is you'll hear people like, well, that guy was in prison for murdering a million people, and then he got Jesus, and, and then everything was okay. That's not fair. No, it's not fair. It's called grace. Mm, yeah. You know? And um, there's people, who, you know, you, was, it bon, was it Bonhoeffer who said cheap grace? Sounds right. Yeah, and and and, um, and I, I understand where he's coming from, but I've always uh, argued back and said, no, it's not cheap grace; it's free grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, and Even that's the radical. problem. And we're afraid that it won't change people. But honestly, I've seen so many of you get to a point where you've just kind of given up the whole religious, all the religious bullshit, all the games, and just accepted yourself, and seen huge changes, and seen a lot of you just like start reaching out to people that are you considered enemies, people who hurt you, and 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 you've gotten back to me, and we've talked about it, and I've done it myself. I see grace transform people. I see grace do its work, and and and, and it's really powerful. I mean, I, I honestly got sober because I accepted grace because it wasn't going to get sober because of God. I wasn't going to do it out of religious conviction. I didn't have that conviction. But when I accepted myself for who I was, what I wanted was I wanted a better life. I didn't want to be miserable anymore. And I didn't have to worry about what God was doing. So as soon as the, the, um, the rule, as soon as the law disappeared, the, um, what is it when they outlawed alcohol? Oh, prohibition. When, when, as soon as the prohibition went out the door... I was able to, you know, it wasn't exciting anymore. It mm-hmm. wasn't this, like, it wasn't a fight between me and the creator of the universe, mm-hmm. you know. It was, it was just something that I needed to deal with for my own life. Take that for what it's worth. Um, 
And I like this part. Um, he goes on, he goes, is that the case? The fence of the cross has been removed. I wish those, and I love this because this is like a total like Paul thing. Paul is talking about grace and faith expressing itself in love. And then Paul just goes back right into being human. Um, I wish those who are unsettling you would castrate themselves. So Paul's just gone from like faith expressing itself in love. You know, we're a community. You got to stop following the law. As a matter of fact, those guys who want you to get circumstance, I wish they'd cut their balls off because I can't stand them. Like you just, you get pissed off Paul. You get human Paul. So Paul's not the perfect example of who we should be. Jesus even has issues when we look back in the, in, in, in the message of Christ with, with, with people. And we have to learn like, oh, okay. But the fact is, is that we all live with lack. We all live with contradiction. And the great thing about Paul is you see a lot of his contradictions come out. Now, there's a lot of Paul that I don't accept. I don't accept the pastoral epistles. I just think they're forgeries, and that's it. But I still think Paul is a complicated human, and we like I think in Romans and also probably in Ephesians, he does a lot of like going, like, and you got to do this, do this. But then he goes, oh, but it's really all about grace, and I'm nothing without grace, blah blah blah. So he kind of goes the ups and downs. You can almost see the struggle within him of of going thinking about his life in Judaism and then his life in Christianity. You know, this the 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 the, the general need to want to fill that lack, to not have that uncomfortable lack. To want to have all have the whole thing figured out. I mean, I miss having certainty. You probably do too. Um, But he's saying here, I wish these guys would castrate themselves. Um, Let's go on further. For you were called in freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self indulgences. So don't just go out there and just I'm going to be free and I'm going to do whatever I want. Now I honestly feel like Paul is saying this in this letter is because that's what he's being accused of. He's being accused of giving a message of grace. And these guys see it as a license to sin and a license to do whatever you want. So I think he's just, just, this is like a you know, when you send out an email or something and you're just like, I'm going to cover some of my bases here just in case. And I honestly think this is what Paul's doing is he's saying, you know, now don't use it just to do whatever you want. Cause that's not what I'm saying, you know, cause that's what he's being accused of. Mm. Um, so, I think that's Paul's covering his ass here a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, for you are called in freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom of opportunity for self-indulgences, and it's also self-indulgences that takes us away from others, but through love become slaves to one another. Now, here Paul all of a sudden says, not only do I want faith expressing itself in love, if it's not clear who I want you to show love to, now all of a sudden he's going back to the slavery metaphor, of saying, you know, I don't want you to be a slave to the law. I don't want you to be slave to religion. I don't want you to be slave to ideas. I want you to be slaves to people. I want you to serve others. I want you to be a slave of a love. I want you to serve each other in love. And the only thing you that you have is that you have to love them. That's what I want. I want you to be connected to that love. Now that takes time. I have a lot of people in my life that I can't be around and I have to separate myself in order to love them. There's a, it was a quote. I, I, um, I wrote it down somewhere, but I actually don't have that pad with me from Blade Runner uh, 2049. And basically um, the Harrison Ford character says, sometimes you have to stay away from people in order to love them. You have to be out of their lives in order to love them. And I thought it was pretty powerful. And I think there's sometimes that is the case. Um, And I think there's probably a lot of people that, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking about doing that with some of my online stuff is just, hey, you know, maybe I, 
I won't follow as many people, you know, or maybe I'll, I'll mute this thing or this because, you know, I want to, you know, I don't want to fight everybody. I don't want to fight every time. Sometimes it's not the person. It's just what they post about. And they post all these crazy preachers that I want to go fight with, you know? Um, so sometimes I just have to dis- distance myself. And also, cause I'm also trying to be like, what's, where's the fruits in my work of what I'm doing? Is this really changing someone? Is, is this really helping someone? You know, am I coming on to tell this guy like he's an asshole because he doesn't believe women should be in ministry? Is that him really going to read my tweet and be like, oh, yes, I see what he said here. And, and out of all these ones telling me I'm an idiot, this guy, really, he told me an idiot in a special way. So I'm going to repent and, 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 and see that equality is an important thing. So, you know, sometimes you have to check yourself and be like, am I trying to please my own ego or just am I just frustrated and just want to get it out at somebody? Or do I want to love this person and try to say, like, how can I change? How can I change them? How can I say I think you're misinformed? This is not easy work. It's not for everybody. Um, if it was, everybody would do it. Um, so, so Paul says, I want you to be not a slave to works, not a slave to law, but I want you to be slave to one another through love. Okay? So... A lot of people aren't seeing that in Christianity right now. A lot of people aren't seeing that in the world right now. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we all know from the story Jesus told when the, when, when the, the, uh, when the lawyer said, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. We all know that, that, that our neighbor is everyone. Our neighbor is also our enemy. Um, our neighbor is those who take care of us and who we can care for and help back onto that road. Um, so that's another really tough thing to do. And nobody, we don't really want to, you know, we don't really want to live in that. You know, we don't want to, to, to necessarily have that as part of our, our life. I, and I think we, we want it, but I don't think we sometimes act within it and, 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 and love others in that way. Um, let's get on a little bit further down. So he goes, for the whole, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now this is the important part. And this is the part I shared on Twitter. I share this every, you know, like once a year, I always put this quote out anyway, and it gets a lot of likes and I think it's interesting why it does. But it says in 13, if however you bite and devour one another, Take care that you are not consumed by one another. So he's saying, be careful if you bite and devour one another. Be careful that you don't destroy each other, that you don't destroy yourself and you don't destroy them. Paul does not want us, he does not believe that the Christian message has anything to do with destroying others. So, so that's interesting, right? That, 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 that here you get this idea that he's saying, do not bite and devour one another. So when we react out of anger and out of righteousness and self-righteousness and virtue signaling, we are often going in for the kill. And that's what I've realized a lot in, in, with social media, especially being in COVID lockdown for so long, and, and, and is that we often on our arguments we just go straight for the kill because maybe because we don't have enough you know characters to use when we're writing one another um 
you know, and sometimes we're doing it out of the fact that we're defending someone we care about or someone we love or, or something we are very passionate about, but we often go directly into the kill. So it's not going in to have a good argument or a really good conversation or a phone call or a Zoom meeting or anything like that. It's just to go in and be like, I'm going to shut you down. You know, and that's why sometimes I just stop and go like, all right, I'm done. I'll delete whatever, you know, you pissed you off. I'm, I'm you know, I'll let you have it because I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not going to go to, I'm going to let you have it. I'm not going to go for the kill on this one because I have done that in the past and it's done more harm to other people and more harm to myself. You know, I mean, I shut down this Facebook page that I'm actually on right now because was having arguments with people and they were going in for the kill. You know, they were saying, oh, you're this and you just, oh, you're more worried about your I put up a Sean Lennon quote and, and people are like, oh, you're more worried about your racist family members or you're more, or, or this is, you know, and I was just mentally having a rough time and I said, okay, I probably need to take a break, you know, but I was like, no, it's your white fragility and oh, and blah, 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 you know, and it was just like, it was not anything like, hey, maybe you suffer from mental health. Maybe this isn't the way to do it. Um, maybe we could have a better conversation about this. No, it was just, we were all going in for the kill and so was I though. I was returning it. Like I was like this, I'm shutting this down and I'm shutting it down because of you. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be like, I want you to know that you're an asshole and you're the king of assholes, mm-hmm. you know? So it was just not a good thing. It wasn't a good look, not for me and, and not for them. And we're all like, oh, we're progressive Christians, you know, and we're hip to the scene and we know what's going on, you know? But what happened was it became like this, like progressive off, like who's uh-huh. more progressive, who right. really cares the most, uh-huh. you know? It didn't come about like the people who are hurting or people that are going through this or trying to understand our enemies or trying to understand other hurting people. It came into how can we ent each other? So we really have to be careful of devouring one another. One of the, one of the things I was talking to someone online about, and I pulled off and, and didn't do it, but was my own example of uh, someone said something basically like, if, if you're a preacher's kid and you became a preacher yourself and your family did something wrong or abused other people, then you need to come out and speak about it and denounce them. And so I think in some ways that that'll work fine, but I think in a lot of ways that does not work. And so I was trying to have a conversation about saying like, there's a lot of complexities to this, you know, sometimes if you're trying to hold on to that family, or maybe you're the only one there who to help the family because the family's been kicked out of the church and, 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 and aren't there anymore. And you're trying to be the restorer of the family, like me going out and saying, yeah, what they did was really shitty. Isn't going to build that relationship. Isn't going to change that behavior. It's just going to make other people feel better about being around me or not have questions or not feel like they have to ask. I'm always like, if you have a question, just ask me, you know? Um, but my whole life, you know, and this is the funny thing is I remember going to my therapist once about a year and a half ago, because people were asking me to denounce my dad because of his Trump support and, um, really going at me pretty hard about it. And I went into my therapist and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is stuff's really got me down. I feel depressed about it. You know, I mean, I have a hard enough relationship with my dad as it is, but we still talk some. And I feel like the talks we have actually think positive things come out of those conversations. You know, I mean, we disagree a lot, you know, but we have just a little bit of a relationship. And, and, you know, when he's with the kids, it's not about when he's with my children, when he's granddad, because my mom's gone. and My kids don't have a lot of family besides my sister and my dad. I'm like he's just a good granddad and he's cute and he lets them play and he buys them fun pajamas and really weird religious toys, but they have fun. And then they have to ask him who it is. And then I look like an ass, but who's this daddy? That's Jesus. Oh, (laughs) sorry, dad. Um, anyway, but 
But the point is, is, you know, there's so many things that are different about this. You know, like, well, but you've got to make this point so I feel better. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm a human being. You know, like, well, what other job is a person in leadership where they have to denounce their family if they followed in the family business for something their family did? It might make you feel better. But my question is, is what's going on with the family? What's happening with them? Now, the reason I brought this up was just this idea of that I think some ways it works and some ways it doesn't work. I'm just saying we just, these black and white rules and regulations and these laws that we continually tried to build and put on one another don't work. You know, we all want to be individuals and different until it comes to our enemies. And one of the things I love about revolution is the diversity of revolution. You might be like, well, Jay, I don't see a whole lot of diversity. No, but we have a, a group of people who think diversively. And the thing is, is when you have a church of people who have diverse thoughts and think differently from one another, it gets really tough. But that's why grace is important in a community where you have diversity of thoughts. That no one here is claiming to have the corner. We all claim to have, we all see the lack in one another's, we'd kill each other if we didn't. We all see we all have a lack. And we all somehow are able to hold each other in love and valuable, more valuable than having the final word or to push that point through. And that's how we change and grow with each other is through community. Um, but people talk about diversity, but they don't want, they want a physical diversity. They want to have like, Oh, it looks diverse, but we all think exactly the same. Or we want you to convert to the way we are thinking. It doesn't become a mental diversity where it's a shared place of ideas and thoughts. And if you really want to sign something tricky, try a diverse thinking group, try a group of diverse people who think differently than you and have that type of diversity, you know? So when I'm reaching out to people, I'm just saying it's, it really is diverse. People think differently. People live in different lives. We all have different stories, you know, but we want to have one rule and one law. And that's what I'm trying to avoid is recreating a law. We might not call it the law, but it's a rule. You know, all preachers need to do this. All, you know, hairstylists need to do this. All lawyers need to do this. All need to do this. Or everybody in their family life need to act this way and do this way. And we just know that life is not that simple. I mean, look at how diverse humanity is and how we all are in different areas of lives. We just set one rule. I mean, that's why we're constantly having to try to fight and change laws for more inclusion. You know? Anyway, sorry, that was a soapbox moment there. Um, But another thing is like, Paul and Jesus and different apostles would call the church to unity. You know, it'd be like, you know, a kingdom divided, Jesus said, will fall. You know? And so I, I saw somebody the other day was like tweeting about, about the church and saying, I think we can officially say that there, there's the Christian left and we don't need to talk about it anymore. It's there. You know, and I was like, yeah, that's true. We've, it's been around for a while. But then I started thinking about that term and I'm like, the Christian right and the Christian left. So all of a sudden we have two churches and two churches that are completely divided. So right now we've completely just said, sorry, Jesus, we're going to do the dividing thing anyway because these guys are jerks and we kind of think we've got it figured out a little better than them. So we're going to have this side and that side and we're going to fight with each other. You know, and, but there is that sermon where it says if you have two different churches that believe different things, you two should split up. No, wait, there's not. I can't find that anywhere. I can't find that where Jesus says create denominations. I don't find a place where Jesus says create these different bodies and fight with one another. It's always talking about, uh, oh, wait, when Jesus said be of two bodies. No, as we are one body, we all have different 
talents, some of her hands, some of her feet, some of her asses, some of her noses, some of her ears, some of her eyebrows. We're all different parts of the body. And that's another great thing when you're a pastor is when you realize there's other people doing really good work that sometimes you can go like, I'm going to trust their work. Maybe if I get a chance, I'm going to give them a platform for the work because I realize that that's not what I'm called to do, but they're doing it well. And how do I support what they do? Rather than trying to cover everything. Because a lot of times as a pastor, I get questions and I don't even like that word pastor. And honestly, I'd like to get away from it. But as a speaker, I get a lot of questions of what about this? And what about this? And what about this? You know, and they get the idea, somehow we've sold the idea that we have all the answers. I do not have all the answers, not even close. I have more questions, I think, than I do answers. Um, but people want, or, or why didn't you mention this in the sermon? Like, they want you to cover everything in the talk, you know? And that's just not possible. You know, I wish it was. I'd be the best-selling speaker and talker and writer in the world. You can't even do that in a book. Um. Anyway, so we're going to jump back into Galatians. This is the part where a lot of people have a hard time with and get confused with, and I think it's probably been used against a lot of us. So let's just let's just take a look at it. Um, oh, one thing else I wanted to say was is uh, why I'm on this. I'm sorry. I'm kind of maybe we'll cut this into two parts. I don't know, but um, I think one of the things we've got to work on is is I believe in justice. Like I, I love following. Uh, I love Dr. King, um, and his daughter um, talks a lot about, you know, we can't have, can't be, you know, just unity without justice. Like some people have to be held accountable for things they've done. There's got to be some justice. And I agree with that. I'm not saying that grace is like, oh, you killed somebody. We have grace. We don't have to go to prison anymore. It's cool. You know, it's taken care of, you know. No, I mean, if you put your hand on a burner, it's going to be scarred. God's still going to love you or I'm still going to love you, but you're going to have a big scar on your <laughs> hand. Right. Um, so I believe in justice, but this is what I think we've gotten confused as humans, is we've confused justice and revenge. And often I think we'd rather have revenge than justice. And I think we grasp the two together, and because justice doesn't work the way we always want it to work. People don't always get the, 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 the time in prison we want, or don't get slapped on the wrist the way we want. Sometimes justice comes much later justice doesn't always, you know, blood justice is blind. I mean, justice just does not always work the way we want it to work. And I think what we, we, when we feel this feeling of revenge and getting vengeance, it feels much better because we can just kind of pinpoint it and deal with that right there. But we have to know the difference that justice has amount of grace and it has an amount of love in it. And it has amount of, of just being, f- trying to be fair. And sometimes when we're right in the middle of something, we aren't able to be fair. So we want to give vengeance rather than justice. And so I think we have to be careful too and ask ourselves constantly because I think that's how we bite and devour and destroy one another is when we decide to go after each other for revenge. I mean, you, some of you say like, oh, I don't want revenge. But man, some of the freaking stuff I read online about like conservatives versus uh, liberals, man, you guys hate each other in a lot of ways. I mean, you definitely want revenge, you know? It's like you definitely want hell for them and grace for you. But when we start saying like, well, they deserve this and I don't, but we don't deserve this, you know, they can get pepper sprayed, but we can't get pepper sprayed. That's the thought of war. That's getting into the ideas of war. You're going straight to war saying they deserve this shit. We obviously don't deserve it. And doing it to us is wrong, but doing it to them, well, they're kind of assholes, so they should get what they deserve. That's not justice. 
That's revenge, that's war, and that's not grace, and that's not love, and that's not mercy. Now, you might be like, well, Jay, I don't give a shit. I don't want your Christianity. That's fine. You don't need it. Fuck, stop following me. I'm not going to try to convince you to be a Christian either way, but don't, you don't need to listen to me if you don't want to. You're here on your own accord. Close the computer now. Surf other Facebook Go leave a mean message on the Revolution Facebook for Caleb instead of me, because mm-hmm. um, he wrote this sermon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, so I guess it's the difference of like you know we're not Batman. And I'm, for me, when I first found out about grace, I had this very Batman esque idea of grace. And the reason I wanted to preach grace is because I wanted all those people who came out and said such horrible things about my parents, and uh, you know to feel bad for not helping restore them and make them have their lives together. I wanted all those people who didn't visit my dad in prison, you know, me sitting in there alone with him with like one assemblies of God pastor visited him on a semi-regular basis, you know, and that was the denomination he was, he helped to become huge. I mean, he was one of their biggest leaders, you know, none of those guys showed up, but if maybe three, four, you know, so in a way I thought if I bring grace, I'm going to expose their bullshit. But if I had to grow in grace and realize, like, eh, grace isn't about revenge. It's not vengeance. I'm not the dark knight of grace. You know, like, I have come to bring grace. <laughs> you will pay. You know, like, I was going to change the church. I really had this Batman mentality. You know, my family was hurt, never restored. I never saw forgiveness. I never saw all this stuff I heard about in the Bible for when people screw up. And now I've got to go out and tell everybody they have to do this or they're in trouble. Except they're covered by grace. You know, it doesn't work very well. Um, Paul says again here after the don't devour and weather, he says, live by the spirit and do, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, some of y'all are going to get a little, I'll touch on some things <laughs> for me as well. Um, uh, do not greatly, do not be led by the desires of the flesh for the spirit is what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, I think one of the things Paul is also trying to say is like a lot of the times when we're doing physical things, (laughs) we're doing it to fill that lack, you know? And so if you're continuously trying to fill that lack, you're missing out on what it is to live in doubt, what it is to live with the question, what it is to live to be like, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know, I mean, maybe I'll have that on my headstone when I die. You know, like I never found what I was looking for. You know, I never found that lack. I never felt the, the, the lack, whatever shape the lack is to fill my, my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, once you start to accept it, it starts, life starts to feel a little bit better. Like, oh yeah, that's just how life works. You know, it's like things break. Things don't always add up, you know, life's not perfect and it's kind of beautiful. You know, it's not all about happiness. Actually, most of the people in the world suffer most of the time and aren't happy and you start to live and find peace in that. Okay. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. And I like this. He's going to tell us what the works of the flesh are. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to research this on your own because depending on if you've come from a religious background or not, you're going to have an idea of like, what is fornication? Because it talks about fornication and you're going to think, oh, you know, I mean, honestly, I've, I've studied, I've had people who in my church studied if sex before marriage was a sin or not and trying to look it up in the Bible. And they were like, there's no clear place that says it. You know, I'm like, well, everybody kind of just has gone with certain things of what they think is this and what they don't think. So I think this is something you're really going to have to sit with is, is the first one. It's fornication. So what is fornication? And I think it's worth looking at, and especially looking at it in a historical context, because often historically it's different than it was. It is now in the 21st century, believe it or not. Um, impurity. Uh, liciousness. Idolatry. And I think idolatry is a good one. Idolatry is still that idea of finding something that, that fills the lack, you know, the idol that's going to make everything better, the thing that you can follow, the thing you, you can mm-hmm. worship, the thing that will make you, you feel complete. It's that once again. And I think right now, I feel like politics often in, in this has become a huge idol. I mean, we're all just, oh. mm. but I, you know, and I, so I think it's good when we all start to get a little fed up with all the politics, not just one side of the politics, but all the politics and don't have political idols because, man, that is a bad place to put your cards. I'll tell you that. Um, we need it and we need to change it and we need to make it better. But if you idolize it, you're going to you're going to become blind to certain things and then you're going to you're going to be blind to that your side's participation in injustice. <sighs> The one I deal with mostly is sorcery, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> My son this week kept making potions, which is uh, shaving cream and water, and then putting his little action figures in and put him in the freezer. So I need to talk to my son about the evils of sorcery. <laughs> um, and here's one that me and me and me and Caleb were were, were thinking on. And uh, let's see if I enmity, enmity, enmity. The next enmity. word is enmity. And so I was like enmity. Oh, enmity. Yeah. And talk, how, how pretentious it is just to go around using that term. Enmity. <laughs> Paul, Paul was a little pretentious with his enmity. Mm-hmm. But what that means is, and then get ready for this, it's saying um, being actually pressed to something or someone. Um, one of the words, uh, what, what, what was the, the two words it was meaning? The, uh, the enmity means? Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, uh, what's the one that starts with an A? Uh, Animosity. Resentful, An- animosity animosity was yeah, yeah. one of them. So being having animosity towards someone. He's saying so when we have animosity towards each other, yeah. you're missing out on the fruits of the spirit. Um I think that was the big one, right? Yeah. And uh or when you're antagonizing other people, that's another part of that meeting, is when we antagonize others, um, become antag- antagonists antagonists. Yeah, antagonists. You're missing the fruits of the spirit. So that's one to think about, especially on Facebook, especially on Facebook, especially on my Facebook. Um, (laughs) Wink. Um, I got to remember this is a podcast too. Um, Strife. I think these are important ones. Jealousy. Uh, Anger. Quarrels, so quarreling, fighting, constantly arguing. You see where we're going here? Um, these are not things that bring the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to f- tell you what the fruit of the Spirit is in a second. But these are things that, that he's saying you need to avoid, you know, being angry all the time, fighting with everybody. I mean, some of us just have this, like, thing where we just go off on anybody because they don't meet our standards of living or, our, you know, our 
you know, you're not conservative enough for anybody or you're not woke enough for me. And then we just go off and off and fight and fight and fight and just destroy each other in the name of whatever our freaking, whoever our king is, you know, whatever, whatever Caesar we've decided to follow, you know, or whatever social justice structure that we've figured out for our lives of, or, or just social structure that we've decided to, to this is going to be me. And only certain, so we create these new laws of who's in and who's out. You see, that's the church has always done. That's what I've always been finding out is this idea of legalism, of who's in and who's out. And the problem is, is grace keeps smacking me in the head saying, Jay, everybody's in. Everybody's loved. And so the reason is you're here is to love other people and help them think well. Help them think critically. So you're not going to throw anybody into the garbage because my mom used to always say, God makes no junk. And people loved that when she was talking about LGBTQ people. Like, oh, God doesn't make any junk, honey. God loves you, you know. But she also forgave Jerry Falwell because she realized that God doesn't make junk. And a lot of us think that guy's a big ass. I, I have really horrible time with him. But the fact is, is was he not worthy of grace? So I just, you know... <laughs> These are things I struggle with. They're not easy for me. So I'm not preaching at you. I'm having a conversation or I'm speaking with you, you know, which will open this up in a second for you guys to push back or pay it forward or whatever you want to do. So quarreling, um, dissensions, fractions. I love that fractions is in there. The basically having factions, I mean, not fractions, factions that we set up different groups. Once mm-hmm. again, we are the right and we're the left mm-hmm. and we you're bad. No, you're bad because you're the, no, you're bad. You know, we, honestly, Christians love to have like interfaith dialogue. Christians should be having inter, Denomination. denominational dialogue or inter, inter, you know, theological dialogue or interpolitical dialogue of where we sit down as different people with different ideas and, and, and argue well. We should learn from philosophy. Philosophers, usually when they argue philosophy, they can be best friends, even though they completely agree with one another's philosophy, disagree with one another's philosophy and, and think it's awful. But they can have that conversation, they can argue well, and they can get down and still be human beings to one another. And we've got this thing as we're like, we're going to cut everybody off. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live in a world where we just have war constantly with each other and cut each other off constantly. Now, I'm not saying you have to love everybody, but what I'm sim saying is, is like, don't hate other people if they love someone that you can't love. Actually, be grateful for that. Like, I'm glad they're doing it because it's not me. You know, that maybe they'll change. Maybe they'll come around, or maybe that person will get hurt, and I'll have to sit with them and talk to them and be like, yeah, they hurt me too. You know. There's humanity there, but every story is different, and we can't accomplish all of it. We have to be a community of humans, the human community within itself. So so factions is another thing that takes away from the fruits, fruits of the Spirit, having your own group. Envy. And then my favorite one, because I'm sober, drunkenness. <laughs> I'm looking at you guys. No. Um, carousing. You've been carousing? Carousing. Have you been I'm, at the I'm a well-known carouser. He loves the corrals. Mm-hmm. He loves the golden corral, actually. So. <laughs> I love carousing at the corral. <laughs> I think that's what Paul's talking about. You're just in there going like, hey, who let this guy in here? Don't let anybody in here. Um, <laughs> dad jokes at the golden corral. Um, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now, growing up, I was told that this verse was meant heaven and that people who did these things were going straight to hell. That if you caroused or sorcerer (laughs) or had factions, you were all going to hell. But the fact is, if this is true, well, good news, everybody, we're all going to be in hell together and we can just continue the argument down there. Maybe Mm -hmm. we'll figure it out down there in between the screaming and the torture. Great. I don't believe in hell. Sorry. Um, um, I don't believe in hell. Uh, so there you go. Uh, not in a, in a, in a, in a, a real place. Um, I, but I believe we could, I'll have a sermon on it one day. Don't worry about it. Can't cover everything in one. Can't have mm-hmm. everything at once. Um, but I used to think this was about heaven. Like, could you get into heaven or not? And do I believe in heaven or not? That's a whole nother story. But I thought that's what it was about. And that you weren't a real Christian and that you weren't this if you did any of these things. But the fact is we all do these things. We all fall short, as Paul said. Um, so I had to think about what is the kingdom of God. I remember one night preparing a talk, and I loved Galatians even like when I was a, as a youngin. But I remember calling this pastor friend of mine and being like, listen, man, I, I just don't know if I can be pastor anymore. And he's like, why? And I'm like, you know, this part in Galatians and like saying these people won't, I'm like, these are people I love. I do these things. I'm never going to, you know, what is this? Like the, is this the asterisk to grace? You know? And he goes, Jay, this isn't about eternal life. He's like, this verse doesn't even, isn't not even talking about that at all. I'm like, what's well, the kingdom of God? And he's like, Jay, the kingdom of God is here and now on yeah. earth. This isn't has been, he's like, Paul's about to talk about the fruits of the spirit. And he, he's saying is, is that the kingdom of God is the fruits of the Spirit. So he's saying these things keep you away from love or peace or patience and kindness. He's not saying that God doesn't love you or that you're not a part of the church system or you're not a part of this or whatever confessional Christianity says these days. It's saying that <laughs> that you just won't – you won't – if, if – if, like Jay, when you were constantly drinking all the time, did you have a lot of peace when you were drunk in the ditch and, and, and driving your car and, and waking up on sidewalks and not knowing how you got there and, and other people's beds where you had a lot of peace in your life? And I was like, no, I was pretty miserable. And he's like, yeah, it's what it's saying. It's just saying when we, we're not going to have peace, we're not going to have joy, we're not going to have these certain things if we're constantly fighting one another, if we're constantly dividing one another. I don't know how sorcery works into this, but I guess sorcery's got a lot of tricks to it. Um, if we're constantly trying to escape the lack or the pain of life, we're not going to have the joys of life. We'll have a f- false joy. I think that's even where you can look at fornication. You know, has anybody ever been through a bad breakup on here or a bad divorce? And when I had my first divorce, I jumped into a relationship with a beautiful young woman who was about eight, nine years younger than me. And we dated for three years, and when I, I, I didn't deal with the, my divorce. I didn't deal with the pain. I just got in a relationship and didn't deal with it. Now, when I broke up with that relationship, which was a very good relationship to break out, it wasn't a great relationship, got out of that relationship, I fell to pieces, and I had to go to a psychiatrist, and I talked to my psychiatrist. I was like, what is happening to me? And he goes, oh, well, you never mourned your, your first marriage, so now you're now you're just you know, you just protect, you're projecting all that pain and all that surf and all that hurt onto her. And he's like, matter of fact, didn't your mom die that same week? Yeah. Well, you never dealt with that either. Cause you just jumped into something. 
And so without giving too much away, I'm saying that sometimes we want to screw the pain away. Sometimes we want to jump into another relationship and, 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 and just end it all, you know, and just get away from everything and just, and so this is the idea is that when we run from that lack, when we run from mourning, when we run from pain, when we run from facing our own demons and our own hurts, we miss out on the fruits of the spirit. So this is what the kingdom of God is. So we'll read it for you right now and then we'll call it a day. We'll do some Q and a and, and, uh, or some afterglow and get out of here. Um, by contrast, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So not being mean to one another, having a point or having different groups, but kindness, generosity, giving to others, helping others, caring for others, even being generous when people screw up. I mean, that's why in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love keeps no record of when it's been wronged and endures through every circumstance. That's a tall order, and no one's going to do it perfectly, but I think we could do it better, and I honestly think we could do it better just with tools of, like, critical thinking, trying to put our trying to empathize with others, and, um, and, and, and having, you know, disagreeing well, disagreeing without an agenda, you know? Because I think that's the problem is we get so frustrated because our agenda is never getting meet, met. And it's so funny, like, you've heard, you'll tell people talk about friendship evangelism. Like, well, I just go out and make friends with people and hopefully I'll win them to Jesus. And, you know, I, I loved, I think it was Brenda Manning who said, that's neither friendship nor evangelism. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you've got this, this secret, secret thing that you're trying to do, you right. know, you're, you're like tricking them into be like, well, I'll be their friends and I'll win them to Jesus and they won't go to hell. And then I'll have a friend who's in heaven with me, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it's switch bait and switch. It's uh, what's what's a good word for that? Where you just kind of you you have a ulterior motive. Mm. So often what we don't realize is when we're wanting to prove our points to someone, and we get really frustrated because like I've been talking to them for a year and they never changed. So I just had to write them out of my life. So they weren't your they weren't your concern. That human being was not your concern. Converting that human being to some type of conversion. It may not be Christianity, but it might have been politically or something about like how they thought. And so that is our idea as we come in and think, well, I'm going to change this person. So the Christians don't have a corner on doing shit and being shitty people and having ulterior motives. It's human. We often get into relationships thinking we can change this person. I mean, how many people have dated someone and thought, well, I'll, I'll make this better. Like, I know they don't cook now, but when we get married, they'll cook really. They'll cook a lot, I'm sure. I know they're really messy now, but you know, let's get married and I'm sure they'll get like all of a sudden like to clean. You know, it's like that doesn't, you know, people just don't change that way. But we, we have these ulterior motives of like, well, you know, or we tell ourselves that. We tell ourselves lies to justify who we are and what we want and, and, or just so we can be happy for moments. Do you see what I'm saying? We have these hidden agendas. And um, so, um, anyway, that's a good question. We'll have to wait. I'll wait. I'll wait, Caleb. Caleb doesn't like when I answer questions right off the screen <laughs> <laughs> during service because online listeners don't know what I'm doing. They think I'm just being psychic. It's just confusing. <laughs> I am feeling someone has a question out if there. You, yeah, if, you, if, you, if you like, if you really want to, you could be like, I am now reading a question <laughs> off the screen. Yeah, I am yeah. now going to read a, a question off the screen from Heather that says, I, um, I wonder if grace is also a release of agenda. And I'm just going to say like, yes, it is. I think it really is. Um, I, I saw this, this meme that said, bad news is nobody cares. And then it said, but the good news is nobody cares. And there is something when you're in, you know, like in that type of relationship. That's why, but 
Pete Rollins, I love to death. He's my best friend. I talk about him too much. Sometimes I'm like, people probably think we're partners. Um, I don't care. But the thing is, is like, we just, just, sometimes we just don't agree with each other, but it's never, I mean, it might be like, screw you, asshole. I'll see you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. It's not like, there's just not this agenda of like, we've, and now he's shaped my life completely with his work. It's been incredible. And so there you go. And my work has probably done very little for him, um, except made him hugely famous. Like I promised. Um, no, but the concept is, is like, it's just, there's, when you take out the agenda, there is a beautiful thing of grace in there. Um, now I'm not saying we don't have agendas. Like we need to make the world a better place and we need to rid of the world of racism, you know, that we need to make the, the America safer for our, our, our black brothers and sisters, because we need to do that. And we need to have that as an agenda. But what I'm saying, these tools will help us better understand those things. And um, that's why I love Dr. King because Dr. King's tools that showed, that showed me what it is like to, 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 to live a life that fights oppression and fights racism and fights these things. You know, it also went, I went, when it started working down into personal areas, it also taught me how to live and how to be a better man. You know, that's what Dr. King did for me is how to be a better human, how to think critically, how to think differently, not just Jesus. But honestly, I put, I'll put Martin Luther King Jr. next to Paul and Jesus any day. And you know what? That guy was not perfect. He had messes, but he, his work was incredible. His writings are incredible um, on everything, on politics as well and, and, and things like that. I really recommend it. It changed my life. All right. Well, the fruits of the Spirit. There's kindness. There's makes you generous faithfulness, gentleness, and listen to this one, and self-control. And I like self-control. I used to not like self-control. I used to be like, man, this is square. Um, self-control is really good. Like you just know when to just shut the hell up sometimes. I mean, I'm an introvert, so if I'm at a party, I'm just like, this is probably the most I talk in a week is right here to you yeah. guys. And you have to get yourself like kind of amped up to do it. I do. Like, you see me, I'm like, bum, yeah. bum, bum, Sing bum. yourself. Yeah. You are, yeah. <laughs> I, we put on Eye of the Tiger. and um, <laughs> You make me like slap you in the face three that's, times. Yeah. It's really weird. That's why I'm a little rosy today. Um, you intercede. That's what he's doing back there, DJ intercession. Um, no, I like the fact that he looks like a DJ. Some people have said that Caleb is distracting, but just pretend like you're seeing like a really strange hip hop band. Mm-hmm. DJ Caleb, <laughs> and you wouldn't get all these hilarious comments from. I you. know, come on, and man. the insight, and and yeah. you know, we, we we bring it back down too. We bring we got the insight too. Bring it down. And when you're at church, there's a bunch of people surrounding you anyway. So you just got one person. You should be happy to see somebody again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like like the choir sitting behind the pastor. Yeah, so. that, Amen. See? He's the choir. We just choir one, folks. Choir one, baby. Choir one. That's right. Um, so we have faithfulness gentleness and self-control, which obviously me and Caleb don't practice very often during these talks, but <laughs> self-control um, is a good thing. It's a good thing in our relationships. It's a good thing in our life. Um, it's a good thing when I look at all my children's snacks when they go home to their mother and it's late at night and I don't want to eat anything except all their uh, their granola, their dipped chocolate granola bars <laughs> and handfuls of their, cause now they're putting lucky charms and everything. So like cocoa pebbles, Open the, the, the marshmallows, yeah, just marshmallows and yeah. everything. Yeah. And so I just sit in handfuls of cereal, drink my diet Coke. Cause you know, that's going to balance it out and then go to sleep like this. You know, Pete today was like, how are you still alive with right. the way you eat? Jay? Uh-huh. Um, it works. I'm going to write a diet book. My parents actually wrote a diet book. And it's pretty hilarious. It's pretty hilarious. Um, 
And those who, okay, so there we go, self-control. So let's, we got joy, peace, we got uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, oh, I wrote gentleness, generosity, I'm sorry, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have, have crucified their flesh with passion and desire. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become concerned, or no, is it, no, let us not become conceited. Let us not become conceited and think we're always right. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. So he's like, stop being against each other. Stop fighting one another. Stop envying one another. There's better ways to do this. And I think that's how we got the nonviolence movement is through people like Gandhi. And I, why do I feel like Dr. King took it to another level? It's because of verses like this. I think he read verses like this and changed the world because of it. You know, because, you know, King didn't say let's, let's separate kings. Like we, 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 are all, we all may have come in different boats, but we're all in the same boat now. You know? And now we've got to learn to live together. And these are ways to help us learn to gather. Or we can just fight and argue and, you know, righteous signal each other from our different thrones of righteousness. Um, but honestly, it makes me sick and I don't think it's getting us anywhere. And it's, it's really tiresome. And I think it's, it's, it's not critical thinking. But that's just me. So this is the part of the service where we do afterglow. And... Um, so we're, we read some of your comments and um, see what you're saying, what you're feeling, and what you're thinking about this talk. And um, so that's what we're going to do, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a conversation. All righty. Let's see here. Do you want to start with, uh, with some pushback, or do you want to start with I'd some... I'd rather uh, start with pushback. You'd rather start with some pushback? Yeah. Okay, I'm great. Going, my beard is going so gray that it looks like I have a really weird long goatee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, you you wear the uh, the salt and pepper very well. Thank you for yes, yes, yes. I need some some dye, some just for men. I don't think you do need some dye. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Okie dokie. So just a tiny little bit of, and it's not like malicious or anything like that. But Morrison asks, so you believe Jesus wasn't the perfect human? Seem seems like you put all your trust and all your trust in and you worship grace, not Jesus. Ooh. That's a little stingy. Who was that? That's Morrison. 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 Let me say this. Morrison then comes back and says, by the way, I'm just curious where you stand. I think you're an amazing person, Jay. Yes, I worship grace. I like that question. Matter of fact, I love that you're pushing back on me. I don't think Jesus was perfect. Um, He would not be considered perfect uh, to the law, to to the um, Pharisees at the time. And Jesus not yet died and, and, and created a new law or anything like that. Um, simply by sitting down with Matthew, who was a tax collector, and his friends, he would be had considered unclean and uh, would have to go through cleaning rituals. And he also got very, people got angry because he didn't wash his hands um, because he didn't do those certain rituals. Um, so Jesus did come in and, you know, you might, and I know you're probably thinking, oh, this sounds like nitpicking to me. Oh, wait. I think when he's sitting down and a woman comes up and asks him for, uh, what does she ask him for? Oh, uh, food maybe or something? something I think it was something, no, but it was like a healing or something. And he goes, why should I give? They, they were eating and she yeah. approached him at the table. Uh, yeah, and he goes, why should I give, you know, 
food to the dogs, basically saying Gentiles are dogs. And she said, sir, but even, even dogs eat the scraps, even dogs get scraps from the table. Yeah. She's like, I'm not asking for the, I just wanted some scraps. And Jesus says, you're correct. And your faith has made you whole. Now, also, I'm going to say that we got to see about a couple, two years, maybe what, two, three years of Jesus's life. He had a lot of life. Um, I think if people want to say that he was actually completely man and completely human, I think Jesus had doubt. When Jesus is on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe that he has a moment of atheism there. Uh, Jesus begs not to be crucified, uh, even knowing that he knows what it's supposed to do or Mm -hmm. or what they think people are saying it's going to do. And um, Take this cup from me. Yeah, take this cup from me. Let this cup pass from me. There's also a few other verses where Jesus doesn't say some great things. He also... um, Cherry picks the Bible, which I love because I, I am I'm a fan of that. Um, no, I don't think Jesus was perfect. Um, do I worship grace? Yes, from this one sermon, I worship grace. I, I do love grace, man. I think grace is it. I think that's what happened. Is grace your idol? Is grace my idol? Um, it's the best tool I have in my toolbox. It's a good idol. <laughs> You know, I could sit down and tell you about, oh, let me tell you about this Jewish carpenter that was actually God and what he lived. And I can tell you those stories or I can be like Paul. Paul never really seems very concerned with the personality of Jesus as much as he does with what Jesus brought grace. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches. So I think we could probably even ask Paul the same thing. Well, do you follow Jesus or do you, you know, maybe because he constantly said, well, I've been crucified with Christ and Christ within me. Um you know, I don't know what God is. Ultimately, I, I, I think I fall f- closer to Paul Tillich of thinking that God is the ground of all being. Um, so that makes Jesus a little bit differently. Seem a little bit different of what, what, who is Jesus and is Jesus the Messiah or not. I choose to believe to think that Jesus is the Messiah. I do follow Jesus and it's why I read from this Bible every week. It's why I have the message of grace and it's how I found out about the message of grace. Um, I feel like that message was hidden from me for 21 years of my life, and it's all I want to talk about. I don't think we would understand grace without Christ. Honestly, I don't think we would understand grace without the Apostle Paul. Um, so, yeah, I guess when, when the Bible says, love God with all your heart and equally is important, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to pay attention to what I just said. Equally is important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when I came to a conclusion of what do I love when I love my God, I realized I have to love others in order to love God. And so grace is that tool and my main tool in my toolbox that helps me to love others. So yes, I am trying to love my enemies and trying to love my neighbors as myself because of the concept of grace. And uh, if that is following Jesus, yes. If that's making grace an idol, then sure, why not? Um, but to me, that's I'm all this. This message would not exist without Jesus mm. in my life, and without Paul pointing me back to Jesus. So, I mean, yeah. you can do the math, but I am not going to just be like, "No, Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior," <laughs> yeah. and I said a special prayer that's not in the Bible, and now I'm saved. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that. What yeah. I'm worried about is is how am I, how am I, what kind of, am I helping you think critically? Am I helping you have a better relationship with what you understand Christ to be? And am I living Christ? Not if I'm. You know, is that Christ alive in me? And I think that that message, by living that message, yes, Christ is within me. Mm-hmm. And I think those moments where Christ had the doubts and pains and where Christ repented to that uh, Gentile woman for calling her a dog, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've had moments of my life in that, too. So, yeah, I, 
I, I mean, I would say, yeah, I, I follow the teachings of Christ. I follow Christ, but mm-hmm. I would, know. I would say even too that uh, at least initially you wouldn't have. Uh, valued and 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 been so taken aback by the message of grace had it not been through the through through the medium and the lens of Christ. You know, yeah, I mean, Jesus saying love. Those. Jesus is the one who said, "Love your enemies." You know, do good to those who persecute you. Yeah, I mean, that's who I want to follow. That's the example I want to follow. So maybe I'm just in love with the message that Jesus taught. Yeah, yeah. Um, just one more thing is because yeah. then we'd have to get in, we'd have to get into the idea of. Um, atonement theory with that as well and i could preach a whole sermon on what i think about atonement theory because i honestly don't think that uh god would need blood and i think that the disciples in the uh, and even paul did the best what they did with their understanding of atonement theology and ideas but i think that there's something outside of that so that's another reason why i'm not giving you this boom question because there's so much to what you've asked but thank you that was a great question thank you for the pushback and i definitely will think about it more yeah great question and uh this is i was, I was gonna tack this on because uh heather kind of uh chimed in with uh with you in that in your response to that um prompt and said right and what's the verse that he said he, that said he was made perfect through his suffering if he had already been perfect why would he need to be made perfect through suffering yeah but anyways so yeah i was just saying heather was kind of no yeah echoing that's awesome. some of the stuff you were thank saying thank you heather yep and if you were to see me without my clothes on you would see a lot of tattoos of jesus <laughs> <laughs> or at least my shirt i guess i'll, I'll keep my pants on <laughs> um oh charity is here our friend charity who we had on a recent meet your congo episode speaking of meet your congregation is that the only pushback that's the only pushback oh man i was hoping there were more but <laughs> i, know, that, I, I, I know. do want to say that was really good pushback that was a good one. i really enjoyed that yeah. so please come back and do more sermons and push back on me more because i love that i really think it's great because i think people are thinking what you're thinking and so i think it's great to get it out there because i think it's so good to have that in the conversation so thank you mm-hmm. yeah so uh, charity's here and she's, she just said uh so true a lot of times that oh i guess it's responding to a specific thing you said that critique is out of hurt i have to check myself on that a lot you know a lot of that i'll just say real quickly like four or five people have have mentioned like oh great point jay that's something i need to check myself on so this is really resonating with a lot of people as as you know stuff that they can apply to their own and hearing stuff like that is honestly that's like the most encouraging thing in the world because this is i mean this is why i spend time reading philosophy and reading theology and doing all this stuff is for this moment here to just encourage you guys and to encourage and make my help myself grow too and think about it too because honestly if you saw my behavior this last week online you'd probably be like oh jake kind of missed it here and there but you know we are all in this together Mm -hmm. james said judgment of others is reduced when there are more contact and conversation about communities it's where prejudice reduces and learning happens yeah i mean i think yeah it's great, though. You know, I had a conversation with somebody who said they didn't feel like conversations really change people. And we had this long talk on Twitter. And uh, hopefully, I think we're actually meeting this week, me, me, me and my friend who are, we're, we're having this kind of like kind of arguing well together on Twitter, uh, decided like we're going to just meet up for a social distancing coffee and have a conversation. So, I mean, like to me, that's like, yes, that's what we want to do. Totally. Hey, guess what? Steve Peters is here. Oh, yeah. And Steve Peters says, no, it's not easy, but it's simple. It's all about love. And he also said, grace is not fair. It's free. It's anarchy. That is brilliant. Oh, thank you, Steve. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be having you very soon. And our, our uh, listeners 
our, our congregation members should definitely check out Steve if they're not already familiar with him. Yeah. We did a Loose in the Bible Belt episode with him. I think it was one of the first Loose in the Bible Belt yeah, episodes that we did. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So and we're going to have listen to that. And he was interviewed by my mom in the late 80s. And um, he's a great guy. So please check him out. And I think we are going to have him speak for us very soon, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people kind of responding to what you're saying about uh, – the, the Twitter comments you're getting about your family and all that. Um, Morrison again said, "That's so sad. You should not. Ha- you should never have to denounce your family because of their beliefs or support a political or support of a political candidate." Yeah, I fully agree with that. And something else is a lot of times people don't know what's going on with the fi- the family dynamics behind the scenes, and and it's none of their damn business what is going on. But apart from that, you know. Um, you can't you can't just step into somebody else's life and say, hey, you need to, to, to talk to your dad or about your dad in this certain way or you need to, you know. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing of what so many of us have left toxic religion because of things like that. Yeah. Because they were like, oh, your family has sin or someone's gay or someone's this and you need to leave your family and denounce them or yeah. do things like that. And now we're just asking to do it on the other side. Now it's just like the progressive side being like, oh, well, they're not like us. And we feel like what they're doing is harmful, so you need to come out and speak out against it. Or even if they have done harmful things, you know, um, I always would just, I recommend just going to the person personally. And if they don't want to talk to you, don't go to the church and don't talk to them anymore. You know, um, maybe write a letter. You know, I, I think sometimes it's really powerful. There's been people that I could not talk to. And so I wrote them a letter and some I've heard back from and some I never did. You know, anyway. Uh, Heather said, I wonder if the flesh is just the ego you've been talking about. The need for control, which just leads us all, uh, leads us to all the judging, revenge, law, etc. What's that now? One more time. I wonder if the flesh is just the ego you've been talking about. Yeah. The need yeah. for control, which just leads us to all the judging, revenge, and law, etc. I, I think so. I think it does a lot. The flesh and the ego. The, the ego is at least part of the flesh. I'd yeah, say. and I, mean, I think when he's talking about flesh, he's talking about brain matter as well. There's a really good one that I want you to read from Chrissy Far. Okay. I can't. Yeah, she has a lot of really good ones. Uh, okay, so she's got one at the end that Larry. starts with "How do you love from afar?" I think that. So we, we, I just want to answer that question sure, when you get to go, it. Yeah, when you get to it. Oh, maybe this is it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I forgot the love yourself part for a very long. Yeah, tell me about it. We've had lots of talks about that. Yeah, loving I've yourself. I've got to love yourself yeah. for a very long time, and now I believe it's hard to love the neighbor without loving the self. Might take work. No, I, I agree with that 100%. I think you can just yeah. equally say, you know, love yourself as you love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, it, it's a two-way street, and both are not easy. I mean, I had and, to— And both require the other. Yeah, I mean, I had to go to therapy, lots and lots of therapy to get to a point where I did care about myself as a human being. I tried to take my own life. Um, I, hated, I hated my life so bad. Um went through electric shock therapy and I would never want to do that again. Um, but there are some enemies that I I might want to shock. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. Uh, neighbors, I might want to shock. Um, yeah, no, you're right. You've got to learn to love yourself. And that's part of the process is, is it is a process. It's nothing that happens overnight, you know? And I think that's also the issue, hard thing about communicating. It's like, this isn't a place you're going to necessarily arrive at tonight or tomorrow, or you're not going to hear this talk and be like, okay, that's it. I'm going to do that. You know? No, I mean, it takes practice. It takes re- being repetitive with yourself. It takes continuous critical thinking in order to get into that way of thinking. 
you have to in some way retrain yourself and unlearn what you've learned as, as, as master Yoda mm. said, um, you know, yeah, there's, you have to let go and, 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 and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of self work, you know? So I'm not saying to everybody that you need to go into doing this as a full-time job tomorrow and y'all should become pastors and tell everybody how to live and, and, and you'll be, have it perfect. No, 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 no. You know, this takes time mm-hmm. and it might take therapy and it might just take avoiding a horrible situation and just getting out of it and getting yourself safe and getting your life together before you can ever really face that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, that was from Christelle, the last okay. one that I read. And I want to say that, um, Christelle, every comment that you've left on there, I'm sorry I'm not reading every single one of them. We don't have time. But but every single comment you've left, I've, re- I've really appreciated. Um, but here's the one that you were asking about. It's from Chrissy. How do you love from afar without allowing continued spiritual abuse and manipulation? Handling family with grace is necessary, but allows the door to stay open to more abuse. I once heard a sermon on Noah closing the door to the ark. Jesus forgave and loved them, but he still shut the door. Mm, I don't know if that's a parallel or not. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it is a parallel, but I will say this. is I think it's a great question. Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it's a great thought, and I think it's the one I hear all the time, to be honest with you. I, I hear it a lot, and so it's often on everybody's mind. Um. <sighs> So, like, one of the things I thought was, is like, you know, like, if when, when, they, when these folks were talking about denouncing your parents, one of the things I was thinking was like, well, if you work with them and you're doing something that's with them in the same church, you know, that might, you might need to say something. Definitely. Um, how do you, how do you, um, how do you love from afar without allowing continued spiritual abuse? Well, I think one of the things is by, by loving afar is one, you're loving yourself when you go away because you know that you need to be taken care of. And one of those things is maybe building the muscles through therapy, um, through reading, uh, through seeing good talks um, on how to to work that forgiveness out. And sometimes all we can do is forgive. You know, when I forgave Jerry Falwell, he didn't say, oh, Jay, I'm going to stop fighting for, you know, I'm going to stop fighting against gay rights or I'm going to stop doing all this other stuff. There's a lot of other stuff that really made me angry. And I was saying, well, we'll continue to fight on those issues. But I had a personal anger and hurt inside me that I had to let go. And so that was different. That doesn't mean that you will agree on everything. Um, you know, I mean, do I think the politics that my dad supports can be abusive and hurtful to other people? Yes. You know, and I try to have that through conversations, but it's taken me time to get there to have those, those conversations. Um, it's also having knowing when to have boundaries. And that's boundaries aren't bad. Boundaries aren't like, I'm going to build up a wall between us and we'll never talk again, but it's just knowing how to take care of yourself. You know, it's knowing how to say no to someone. It's knowing how to say, you know what? I don't feel like that's very respectful or true about me. Um, You know, when I was arguing with somebody the other day, I just had to say, you know what? You've got me, you really have me wrong and I can't continue to have this argument if you continue to to project your thoughts and ideas on who I am because this is not who I am. I've been having some of that. And and you keep pushing back saying, this is totally who you are, you know? And I'm like, we've never met, you know, we've, we've, we've seen each other spell on, on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it was. Um, So I think loving from afar, you know, and if someone's in trouble or someone's in danger, you know, you figure out how to help them by maybe finding somebody else who can help them. You know, um, you know, if someone's in physical danger, you call the police, obviously, um, you let the proper authorities know, um, 
it's an abusive church situation. I always say leave the church. And if those people who you love don't want to leave the church, you know, and they won't be convinced, then you just say, listen, I love you, but I can't be here because it's toxic because I have to take care of myself, but I'll still love you. You know, I just can't be here. So I think it's, it's, it's a tough, tough thing to answer. And I think you also have to realize, as I was saying, there's different parts of the body, you know, and sometimes you're going to have to hope and trust that, you know, maybe I've done things like I've actually like, there's certain people that would not talk to me. So I've got their address, not just only send them a letter, but I also sent them a book that I thought might be good to read. It seems a little passive aggressive, but, it is a bit passive but aggressive. what else was I going to do? Right. No, what else can you no, do? No, but one was a guy who didn't support gay rights, thought it was awful. And he was a theologian. And I said, well, oh, here's boy. a book, here's a book on theology yeah. that supports LGBTQ people. And maybe if you've read this book, you'd have a better understanding because I don't think we're ever going to get anywhere in our conversation. Now, that book might come off the shelf one day. It might have gone straight into the garbage. I don't know. Um, but there's just different ways to, to do things. And I think you have to do it on an individual basis. Um, but I do want to make sure you're safe, make sure you're healthy, make sure you get the help you need. Um, how do you love from afar without allowing to continued spiritual abuse that's the one we manipulation. Read, uh, no, I know it oh, is. Okay, I'm just sorry. trying to read it again. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, sometimes, like I said, like the 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 um, the the quote from um, from Blade Runner 2049 is like sometimes the only way you can love people is to go away. And um, honestly, that's why me and my dad probably talk every few months and not every day. So that's how I'm trying to do it. And trying to make the best out of the conversations we do have. All right. Anything else? Yeah. Um, I want to read just a couple more kind of comments. And then there's there's a, a heavy one that, I, that I'd like to – that I think we should – that it, you know they'd like to be to have addressed by you. And I think maybe that would be a good thing to do. So anyways, uh, I'm just going to read a couple more and then maybe we can end on that one because it is – I mean, I don't have anywhere to go, but it is getting old. We're at uh, almost hour 40 now. Oh, so. geez. Yeah. We yeah. should probably go. This yeah. is really long. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, Thanks for the, they can, yeah. see, they can, they can, that's the cool thing about online services. They can leave without it being disrespectful. You know, they, they yeah. don't have to like walk up the back, out the back of the church and distract everybody. So, but you still have, got, have 40 people in here. So, you know, they can turn us off if they want to, but they're <laughs> still here. Okay. So. Uh, Don said boundaries are a survival tool. And then James said, yes, we need more conversations on boundaries, healthy ones, saying no, self-care, codependency, and looking into boundaries theologically, too. Yeah. I mean, when I started dating after my second divorce, (laughs) I had a lot of big boundaries. And some of them were just to protect myself. And they weren't even very healthy boundaries. They were almost kind of childish boundaries. But I was really, and I would be like, I'm not, I'll never do this. I'll never say this. I'll never do that. You know? And then as I got into a relationship, I started to realize like, okay, you know what? This is a different relationship and there's different, I don't need this boundary here, you know? But I came in with it really hard, you know? And I had to even explain it like, I'm really sorry. You know, I, I was really hurt. And so this boundary was there, but I don't need this boundary with you. And, um, and I had to learn kind of even grow and mature in, in my boundaries and know when they're, when certain boundaries are important or when others can just, Rest aside. Mm. And then here's the kind of a heavy question for you here, Jay, um, from John. How to handle grief? I just lost my father to COVID a week ago. I had a, re- a great relationship, but I'm feeling a void I can't fill. That is a heavy one. Um, sorry to hear that first off, too. Yeah, John. I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss. It's horrific. 
And um, it's it's wild how when you lose someone, at least for me, and I lost my mother, you start to realize how important other people are and what how important things are and the, the things that we so often just take for granted or the things we don't say that need to be said. Um, and what I tried to do over time is not let those be things of regret, but, but, but allow those to be things that I felt like were gifts from my mom when I lost her and that wanted, because we were very close, um, gifts of, of, of life again, that she highlighted life, the, 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 the fragile, the fragility, the fragility, fragility, the fragility of life was highlighted when she was gone. And I lived differently. Um, you're so so in it, man, right now. I mean, what I did was, honestly, is I chain-smoked cigarettes. I cried a lot, and I talked to a lot of people to the point where I felt like I needed to go to therapy because people didn't want to hear about it anymore. It was also very much late in the process. Um, you've got to walk through grief. And that's what I would say is walk through grief, feel it all. It does get easier. It does get better. But right now, that doesn't. Those words fall on the ground because they don't seem to make sense. Yeah. But I really believe you have to walk through grief and fill it all in order to become. I mean, a human again. Yeah. In order to become who you're supposed to be, because you're on that. You're in the race, like Paul talks about. You're you're living life, and this has come into your life, and this loss has come in. Yeah, and this is going to create you into seeing life in a different way. Um, don't, don't run from it because grief doesn't go away. Yeah. Grief, you will just store it in a different place. And then eventually it will come out within coping mechanisms and in, in, in unhealthy ways. And uh, eventually it'll hit you in the face. So my thing is to go through it, scream, cry, yell at God, yeah. be alone or be with friends. You be know? angry at God if you need to, yeah. or if you are, you know, yeah. acknowledge that you are. Do what you need to do. Yeah. You know, write down your feelings. Um, if you need to see a therapist, find a therapist. If you don't have good friends, do that. Yeah. You know, write about it. Reach out to people. Yeah, reach out. I'd say reach out to people, absolutely. Cause that, yeah. Especially, like, you know, I think a lot of times uh, people see religion or communities or, like, I don't even like using the term religion necessarily, but, like, like you know, uh, communities of faith or communities of common ground that are, that are seeking spiritual satis- or spiritual nourishment. Um, a lot of times they'll turn to those communities and say, you know, well, where's the where, – look to the heavens and say, where's the divine answer? Yeah. Where's, where's Jesus? Where's God swooping in to fill this void in me? And we talk about this so often that, like, it's a daily – uh, process try to fill that void and then it, by the time you wake up the next morning it's empty again you know and maybe it wasn't never full you know uh filled to 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 start with when you when you thought you had found something to fill it um but like but there is value in these communities that talk about spirituality and and about faith and things like that because because of the community because of the power yeah. of the body the body is here to wash itself you know the my, the hands are here yeah. to wash the face you know so if you need if you need to be washed if you need to be to be comforted if you need to be massaged you know uh uh metaphorically speaking with the body metaphor um then you know then reach out to the to either your community or to your church or even to people on here just you can give them the revolution uh community uh group on on facebook and and if you you know i'm sure there are plenty of people who've experienced loss just like you not just you know not to compare theirs yours to theirs no, but, but i i but there's know, a lot of people out here who really sharing love grief with others who've gone through sure, grief yeah. is, is valuable when absolutely you, you know and i think that's why that's in the beatitudes is why it's so important um, 
because it's just such a real, it's just the reality of life. And I think suffering is much more a reality of life than any happiness. And for me, you know, I had to grieve my mother. I had to grieve my marriage. In my second marriage, I had to grieve. I've had to grieve friendships and relationships. Um, but learning to grieve those things and be okay. Like, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel like shit. Absolutely. It's okay to be around people and talk about yeah. it too much or not talk about it at all. You know, it, um, you've got to go through it because yes. there's something for you on the other side of it. And um, and it'll live with you. My grief with my, for my mother and the grief of for my failed marriages. They, they walk with me. They're a part of me. They're, you know, some way there's like, they feel like demons, but also they're like dark passengers that help me deal with life on life's terms and, uh, and, and mourn with others when they mourn. And I'm desperately sorry for what you're going through right now. It is yes. a painful place yeah. um, to lose loved ones. Uh-huh. And John, if, if you, it's not going to fix any problems, but, but, it, but it might be a little Band-Aid. If you, if you send a request to join, I don't think you're in it. If you send a request to join the, the Revolution Church community group, I'll, I'll approve you right away, right right now even. And, and there's a lot of people on there who show a lot of love to, to, to anyone who has a problem or is going through something. So, yeah. So, please connect with whoever you need to connect with. Uh, I think, I'd say that's probably a, a good place to... Yeah. I mean, and that brings it back. The whole message... It brings it back. ...is, is, is why we why we do this you know when people when we grieve we grieve man the, the politics on that shit don't matter anymore yeah you know totally. you're just in a place of just pure pain and um, that is a time for uh, that bonds that will never be broken or can be built and uh, so I think that's something to think about for all of us and uh, it's complicated man especially if you, even if you lose people that you don't like or you, you parents that were a complicated relationships it brings up all sorts of emotions. So we love you guys and I appreciate your time. Thank you for your words and your pushback in this conversation. And that, and the sermon was really long. I'm not going to apologize. I'm just glad we got to do it. So uh, we'll, we'll be here next week. Same uh, time, same channel. Bye-bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. That was a post-Christian podcast.